Today we're going to be looking at how we are responsible for ministering. Session three, I am a minister. I am a minister and God works through us in different ways. So let's look at the first question we have. Uh, the first question, what's a chore you would love to outsource to someone else? Front page says laundry. <laughs> <laughs> a chore that you like to outsource to someone else. Now let's look beyond the home and the work and the gym and so on. But a task that some other than those areas that you'd like to outsource to somebody else that you don't like doing. Anybody? Well, not that I like or don't like, but all these machineries, the huge machinery that people have to work with and, you know, um, groundwork and, you know, road work and stuff like that, but these huge machinery. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, I do that, I'm not into that, but I mean, you know, the people that are doing that, I'm sure they would like to outsource it to somebody else. Mm. So nobody have a chore that they like to outsource to somebody else, something that you don't like doing. I know um, 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 we need improvement with electricity, because that would just bunker see oil with the No, but the task that you have that you would yeah. like to get rid of. Yeah, or would I like to get rid of? Or would I like clothes or different things, but I, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. Okay. Mine is yard work. Mine would be cleaning my floors. Yeah. Okay. You prefer somebody else do that? Yeah. Yard work. I, I like doing the yard. I like how it looks when it, when you get it oh, done. Yeah. But I don't like doing it. I mean, I've got all the tools and everything you need to get it done. Okay, but I, I like the satisfaction of knowing that I have done it and, and it right. looks okay. Yeah. But as, if it. someone else can do it, that'll be fine. No mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let's look at um, Bible meets life. I hate working in the yard. Mm, me too. <laughs> Maybe it's because when I was growing up, I had to spend a portion of each weekend cutting grass, pulling weeds, trimming bushes, and blowing away the clippings. And all while my body was being cooked under the hot West Texas sun. Mm. Or maybe I just like it because yard work is time consuming and inconvenient, and I don't want to miss out on other things in my life. The solution to my dilemma is simple. I don't do yard work. I now outsource this job to other people. A crew of five guys shows up, and with each of them doing different tasks, the yard work is completed in 20 minutes. Wow, that's mm. short, <laughs> and it looks great. Mm. You and I love the idea of outsourcing the things in our life we don't want to do or may not be good at doing. Whether it's cleaning the house, tutoring our kids in a in particular subject, or doing our taxes. All of that can be helpful if it frees us up to concentrate on other areas of life. But one aspect of life we can't outsource is ministry. God has called every believer to be a minister. Amen. And what's the point? 
God works through us to make a difference. Okay, so we're not working alone. We've got a source in us, working through us uh, to accomplish a good purpose. Okay, let's, uh, let's look at the first passage we have in our study today. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 to 6. If we could someone, someone read, just read the verse. Such is the comfort we have with one before God. It is not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything as coming from ourselves, but our advocacy is from God. He has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, and the Spirit gives life. Okay, let's have someone else read now the paragraphs. I took my first ride in a helicopter with a friend who not only had learned to fly a chopper, but actually bought one. <laughs> it was an unforgettable experience hovering over the surrounding neighborhoods and seeing the countryside from that perspective. After watching my friend demonstrate the basic maneuvers of the bird, he suddenly looked at me and said, it's your turn to fly, and motion for me to take the controls. An overwhelming feeling of inadequacy swept over my entire body. I'm normally a pretty confident person, but not at that moment. If you're like me, you lack confidence when you feel ill-equipped or unprepared. We also may lose our nerve when we feel unworthy or unqualified. In this passage, Paul told believers, we never have to lack confidence in our walk with Christ. Why? Because we are equipped and we are prepared in Him. God has given us everything we need to be competent ministers of the gospel. I'm sure we've all faced moments when we feel inferior or ill-equipped to serve the Lord. In those moments, we may sense something inside us saying, What are you thinking? You don't have what it takes. But in this passage, Paul wrote that our competence for serving in his kingdom doesn't come from ourselves. And our sense of self-confidence doesn't arise from our own ability. Believers have the spirit of the living God inside them. God has given us himself. Therefore, we have more than enough to do what God calls us to do. Next page. He has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. This letter is the law recorded in the Old Testament. The law is a good thing because our obedience to it brings us into a right standing with God. The problem is that none of us fully obeys the law, not a single one of us. As a result, the letter kills because our failure to obey it puts us under a curse. Jesus Christ removed that curse and gave his spirit to all who trust in him. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. So any competence we have to serve God doesn't come from obeying the letter of the law because we're unable to keep it on our own. Instead, the Spirit gives us competence because He empowers us. Okay. Thank you. Let's look at that uh, 
first passage there, Galatians. Was it Galatians three? Yes. Someone have it? Can read it. Okay, Christ became a curse for us, right? Look at the second paragraph there on the paragraph uh, Sister Beth read. It says, if you're like me, you lack confidence when you feel ill-equipped or unprepared. Anyone ever feel like that? You know, we often, that's, that, that's, normal, that's a normal response when we are asked to do something, right? Oh, I, I don't think I could do that. Okay. We also may lose our nerve when we feel unworthy or unqualified. I mean, we got all the nerves in the world for everything else, but for that particular task, we suddenly lost our nerve. In this passage, Paul told believers we never have to lack. We never have to lack confidence in our walk with Christ. Why? Because we are equipped and we are prepared how? In Him. In who? In the Lord Jesus Christ, right? God has given us everything we need. Unlike someone, persons who give you a job to do and not give you the tools or the equipment or the whatever you need to do the job. God is not like that. Remember Pharaoh? When he got upset, upset with children of Israel being wanting to leave, uh, and he told them that now you'll have to make the bricks without finding your own straw before that he provided the straw. God is not like that. See, God has given us everything we need to be competent as ministers of the gospel. Why? Because if we don't have what we need to get the job done properly, we show him up, don't we? Who looks bad when we can't get the job done? God looks bad because we are his ministers. All right, so we look at it from that perspective. Whatever God calls us to do, he has given us what it takes to get the job done so that we can look good for him. Remember now, what does the scripture say? Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all for what? For the glory of God. And so whatever God gives us to do, he calls us to do, he's going to equip us to do it so that he would be glorified in it. Question number two. When have you had the privilege of ministering to someone? Let's put it another way. When was the last time you had an experience, the opportunity, uh, the privilege of ministering to someone? Um, I'm always encouraging Staria. Always encouraging Staria. Staria, okay. My granddaughter yesterday. Your granddaughter, okay. Do you see yourself as ministers when you do that? Yes. Yes, we are. Okay, we all, that's something that we, we are supposed to be doing or thinking of in our minds whenever we do it uh, 24-7. We are ministers for Christ. 
how confident do you feel in your role as a minister of Christ? Whenever you are, have that challenge, how confident do you feel? Very confident. Very confident. Okay, very good. Very confident. Okay. Question number three. How can we tell if we are relying on our own competence instead of trusting Christ to work through us? The amount of anxiety or worry or fretfulness. Okay. <laughs> That's there that I realize oh, I've taken it on my own shoulders. Yeah, when you feel that burden so heavy, then you know it's not the Lord, it's you. Okay, so as we move to verses 7 to 10, we'll see how Moses' <coughs> shining face serve as an illustration of our call to reflect God's righteousness to others. So let's look at that other passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 to 10. Okay, anybody want to read that? Now if the ministry that brought death, chiseled in letters on stones, came with glory, so that the Israelites were not able to gaze steadily at Moses' face because of his glory, which was set aside, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry that brought condemnation had glory, the ministry that, brought, that brings righteousness overflows with even more glory. In fact, what had been glorious is not glorious now by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. Okay, continue. In the Old Testament, people often experienced God's glory in a tangible way. Moses was one example. He spent a significant amount of time in God's presence when he received the law. As a result, the glory of God was reflected all over his face. He literally glowed. Mm. <laughs> but as Paul noted in 2 Corinthians 3, Moses' reflected glory didn't last. The glory associated with the law wasn't a lasting glory. It was a fading glory, something set aside by the ministry of the Spirit, which endures. Paul wasn't dismissing the glory that came with God's law, but he knew that glory pales in comparison to the glory that comes through Christ. The law was glorious even though it brought death and condemnation. Christ's glory, which brings life and righteousness, is far greater. Fourteen-time NBA All-Star Michael Jordan is universal, personally recognized as the greatest basketball player to ever play the game, but his career had a humble beginning. When Michael was a sophomore in high school, he failed to make the varsity team. Motivated by the cut, he practiced, worked hard, grew several inches, and eventually reached his goal of becoming a starter and a star on the squad. Michael would have missed a lot if he'd settled for that high school glory. He never would have led the North Carolina Tar Heels to win the 1982 NCAA championship. He never would have been a six-time NBA champion with the Chicago Bulls, nor win two Olympic gold medals but not even a career like Michael Jordan's can compare with the glory Paul described. Paul wrote that the Holy Spirit equips us and empowers us for a ministry greater than anything possible through our own efforts. 
and with that greater ministry comes a greater glory. What is that greater glory? It's all tied to Jesus Christ. We achieve no glory through our own efforts and righteousness. Instead, Christ imparts his righteousness to us. He lives in believers, empowering and equipping us to live and serve. We can know no greater glory on this earth than to walk in his righteousness. Okay. Question number three. How would you summarize Paul's point in these verses? Look at the verses again. How would you summarize Paul's point in these verses? Question four. What's question number four? Yeah, he did question three. Okay. And that's number four. How would you summarize? Okay, I'm going ahead of myself here. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay, let's summarize some of the ideas, uh, the main ideas from the passage. Uh, in the Old Testament, people often experience God's glory in a tangible way. Moses was an example of that. That's the first point. The second point is Paul wasn't dismissing the glory that came with God's law, but he knew that glory pales in comparison to the glory that comes through Christ. And then Paul wrote that the Holy Spirit equips us and empowers us for ministry greater than anything possible through our own efforts. And with that greater glory, with that greater ministry comes greater glory. All right, so see how much we need to rely on the Lord Jesus Christ? He is the one who empowers us. He is the one who equips us. And whenever we allow pride to step in, it all falls apart. But all the glory goes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay, let's look at the other passage we have. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 11. Two verses. You can have someone read that. Okay. Now, if what was set aside was glorious, what indoors will be even more glorious? Since then, we have such a hope, we have with great boldness. When I was 10, I attended a class at our church that trained people to share their faith. The leader kept it basic and showed us, showed us that all of us could tell our stories and share the hope we would have, we were found in Jesus as the class concluded. We were all challenged to take what we learned and apply it to our personal lives. The instructor challenged us to share the gospel with a complete stranger within 24 hours. The next day after school, I saw a boy I have never seen before. I have never seen before. Something inside me said, he's the one to go, to, to go talk 
through him about Jesus. Suddenly the knots began to tighten in my stomach, despite being scared to death. I approached the boy with the full intentions of sticking to my training. Instead, I froze him up. Then I blurred out, Hey, man, you, do you know Jesus? <coughs> or what? He suddenly looked at me. Squinching his eyes and responded, I don't know Jesus, actually. I don't, I don't know anybody. My family just moved here. What do you say? Hmm. He obviously hasn't participated in the role play, play portion of my witness training class. Because that was not the way <laughs> this was supposed to play. The idea of talking to someone about Jesus can feel terrifying, but it does not need to be. Our connection with Jesus brings a hope that can never be taken from us. That kind of hope empowers us to live on. Mission with a supernatural confidence and goodness. We don't have to worry to be effective as we do. The ministry of God has called us to do what, to, to do God is with us, and He gives us exactly what we need along the way. The truth, this truth is not just for preachers, teachers, and other church leaders, but Paul is talking to all who have trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Since Christ has given us this confidence, confidence, and hope, we can lovingly serve God and others. With boldness, we don't minister in vain. We have a sure hope, and that is a hope worth sharing. Okay. Anyone here about those knots tied up in your stomach? Oh, yeah. When you went witnessing? <laughs> it doesn't play out the way you, you were trained to do. It never does. And that's why we rely on the Holy Spirit because He knows what you're going to encounter. He knows what you're going to deal with. And He is the one that we rely on. Okay, I remember telling you the story about uh, uh, when I was doing youth group. We went downtown, there was a McDonald's that used to be in the, in the British Colonial, remember that? Some years ago. And uh, so we took the young people out for an outing to, to McDonald's and um, a group of us were sitting in the van and some of the kids went inside. And uh, this young man, he came back and he was so excited. He said, I just met somebody that I hadn't seen for a long time and I tried to witness to him and, and he didn't get it. What am I supposed to say? You know, so a couple of kids tell him, so, well, you know, do this, do that, say the next. And so he went back. A couple of minutes after, he came back again. He said, I did all of that and he still didn't get through to him. Still didn't get through to him. Well, what do I do? And so they told him something else and he went back and he came back. He went back and then after a while, he came back and he brought the guy with him. He says, here he is, you tell him. I thought, but he didn't give up. He didn't give up. What does it look like? Question number five. Did we do? We did question number four, right? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Question number five. What does it look like to serve Christ with boldness in today's culture? 
What does it look like to serve Christ with boldness in today's culture? You know, you got some people out there who are just looking for Christians to, to humiliate them. That's right. Okay, so what does it look like? I don't know, as a friend, you know, that's the same thing. So, do you know Christ? He just go around and ask him, do you know Christ? He's about 14. Mm-hmm. That's really you know. Yeah, I knew a young man. That's good. He's mm-hmm. so bold at his age. Yeah, bold. Okay. Let me talk to your mom. Don't give up. There was a young man who uh, I knew. It's probably a young man who led me to the Lord. Mm-hmm. He would go. He, he would go around and he would confront anybody yeah. he met uh, and ask him if they knew the Lord. He was never. He was never intimidated by anyone. Uh, and he was a. He was a camp counselor. The week that he died, actually. He was a camp counselor at a camp in uh, Bahamas Youth Camp on Gladstone Road. And they had a little dorm that was way off in the back of the bush, separated from all the other buildings. It was so isolated, they called it the ghetto dorm. And he was the counselor in charge of that dorm. And during that week, he led every single one of those young people to the Lord in that dorm. And uh, the tragedy was, he, he, um, they were going to the beach one day, and he had this little mini scooter uh, that um, he was riding around, scooting all around town. And he decided that he wasn't going to go on the bus with all the other kids. He was going to ride his scooter to the beach. And uh, it was a bad mistake. Uh, he got killed on that scooter that day. And um, he, uh, he had, uh, prior to that, he had uh, confronted me many, many occasions. And um, one night we were at, uh, at church practicing for the next night's youth group. And he heard about it and he showed up, confronted me, and, and I led me, led me to the Lord on that night. Uh, but his death struck. I remember I was working at Royal Bank in Palmdale when uh, one of the young people in our, in our church group called me and told me that, you know, Lance had just died. And I mean, cold chills went down my spine because it immediately occurred to me that if Lance didn't reach me, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody else would have, wow. because I was stubborn. And uh, he was persistent. Every opportunity he got, every opportunity he saw me, he would ask me the same question. Do you know the Lord? And I'd lie to him. i said, yeah, man, I know the Lord. Leave me alone. And he kept coming. And so cold chills went down my spine that day. And when his, at his homegoing service, there was not a dry eye in the place. There were students there from various schools, and he had just gotten accepted to college, to go to college. Just gotten his letter, he was so excited about that. And all the kids from his school came, and all the persons, all the ministers who participated in the service, everybody broke down. No one could, could keep their, 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 their frame of mind, because he was such a tremendous testimony for the Lord. And uh, a lot of people will never forget him. So, what does it look like? Again, dedicated. Dedicated. Okay, dedication. Lance is dedicated. Nothing stopped him. No matter how much you tried to to mock him or humiliate him, nothing stopped him. Okay, his mom is a Christian. His dad is an atheist. Okay. All right. People go out of their way to humiliate Christians. You know, I know a young man who went to church just to do just just for that. 
he would find out whatever he could find that was negative in a person's life and he would confront them with it. And I remember standing in, in front of the church after service one day and this young lady, her father was an elder in the church and uh, she tried to witness to him. And he said to her, he, he started laughing, hysterical laughing. And when he was able to gain his composure, he said, boy, you're a good dancer, you know. And, you know, everybody wondered what he's talking about. He said, I saw you at the other night at, and he called the name of this nightclub that he saw her in. And I wanted the ground to open up and swallow me so I can imagine how she felt. All right, because she had lost her testimony. And that's one of the things that he did. He went around looking for dirt and all kinds of things that he could find on Christians. And he'd go to church and humiliate them and ridicule them and make them feel embarrassed, especially when they tried to witness to him. Okay, so that's one of the things we see in our culture today, that Christians need to be bold. You know, I remember in Atlanta one time, we were going downtown Atlanta, we were distributing tracks and giving people, witnessing to people, and this young man took my track from me, and he says, you know what I think about your Jesus? And he tore the track up in little pieces, and he threw it up in the air, and all the little pieces went on the ground. He was literally, I should call the police and have him arrested him, but, but that's what people do. They try to humiliate us, and so we're living in a time when you really need to be bold for Jesus. And sometimes uh, you will get a surprise when you're bold for Jesus. I remember on a, on a porch uh, in Atlanta, we were, on a, we were going from house to house, and this young lady was on a porch doing her hair, planting her hair. And uh, we witnessed to her, we went through the presentations, and uh, when we got to the question, would you like to accept Christ as a Savior, she said yes. And everybody was surprised because they didn't expect her to say yes. You know, some people would say, well, I'm not sure. And, and I said, I said, you understand everything I said? She said, yes, I'd like to accept Jesus. I said, okay, let me go through it one more time, just to make sure you understand. <laughs> and she accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a Savior right there on a porch. You know, and, uh, but sometimes you would, you would encounter people who just want to make fun of you because of your commitment to Christ and what you're trying to do for them. Okay, what's the point? God works through us to make a difference. God works through us to make a difference. Don't rely on your own understanding. What does the scripture say? Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. So we've got to lean on him. Okay, how do we flesh this out? Let's look at how we are going to apply this what we've gotten today. What can you do this week to live out the truth of this passage? Consider the following suggestions. Pray. If you know Jesus, then God has given you his spirit and the competence to minister in his name. Pray and ask God to give you a fresh dose of confidence so you can boldly minister to those around you for his glory. Okay, let's pray. Share. Ask God to give you an opportunity to put your faith into action. Look for an opportunity this week to share Jesus with someone else. Go in confidence and trust the Lord with the results. And then three, make serving others a habit. Like other habits in your life, the habit of serving is developed through intentional acts, one day at a time. Make a practical list of ways you can serve and minister to others this week. 
Okay, so we get three opportunities there to flesh out our lesson today. You can choose one or you can choose all three or two. Outsourcing is a part of our everyday lives, but it should never be a part of our ministry. If you love Jesus, then you are called to make a difference by loving and serving others. Amen? Amen.